Today, the title of the message is, are you ready for it? Growing and maturing. And who knows that God never changes, but God wants to change us. And He wants to grow us and mature us. And as people are turning to the book of Nehemiah in the Old Testament, Nehemiah was a man who lived between 400 and 500 BC in that time frame. His name means the Lord comforts and listen to last week's message so that you can be up to date. But Pastor Stewart's kicked off our series talking about opportunity with that scripture in Ephesians chapter 3 verse, tw- th- 3 verse 20, which says, God is able to do what? Exceedingly abundantly according to the power that works within us. And God is wanting to do a work within us. You know, I, I, my heart goes out to people who have just experienced just dead religion. You know, they're coming to church, but there's no encounter with the living God. They're going through the process, but there's no heart connection. And I believe that for many people that God wants you to have a heart connection. Come on, I'm not here because I have to be here. I'm here because of what Jesus has done in my life. His peace, His presence, His hope, His change. And today I believe that, come on, God wants to break you out of religion, some people this morning, and break you into a love affair with Jesus Christ. Bring you into a relationship with the power and the presence of the living God. That when you go out of this room and you go to pray, who knows, what's the difference between praying and talking to yourself? Believing that someone's listening. And God is listening as you pray. You can communicate and connect with God. And so we talked about Nehemiah last week and we talked about how Nehemiah called the people of Israel together to rebuild the walls and the gates. And we talked about here in verse four, it says, so when, I, so when it was, chapter one, verse four, when I heard these words that I sat down and wept and mourned for many days, I was fasting and praying to the God of heaven. And we talked about how Nehemiah got this heart to see the walls of Jerusalem rebuilt. And we talked about some of the opposition that he faced and how he navigated through that. Listen to last week's message. But one of the amazing things about the Word of God, and and, and in the Old Testament in particular, you can see pictures in the Old Testament, physical pictures of what God wants to do in the internals of your life. For example, example, the tabernacle of Moses. In In the Old Testament, it was a way in which the people connected in with God. There was a whole process you can read into it of how they experienced the presence and the power of God. But if you actually look at the layout of the tabernacle, it's a cross. So it's a picture of now in the New Testament of how we can enter into the presence of God, the peace of God, our relationship with God through what Jesus did for us on the cross. The Israelites leaving Egypt, they were in slavery. Who knows, we can be in slavery today. Come on, slavery to alcoholism, slavery to fear, slavery to all sorts of addictions. We can be slaves to sin. But God took the people of Israel out of slavery and they had to step into the wilderness. They had to step out of their old life into something they'd never known before. And as they stepped out in faith, come on, God's desire was to bring them into the promised land. And the same way God wants us to come on, step out of the Egypt of our life and step into the promised land. And sometimes it's a big risk. Sometimes it's like stepping into the wilderness. You know, for some people who have maybe, and this is only maybe a particular type of people in the room, but maybe drugs has been your life and you have to delete all those old numbers, disconnect from those. It's like stepping into a wilderness of not knowing anyone. But come on, who knows? God can bring you godly friends who are gonna encourage you and point you in the right direction. You know, you might have had friends who are full of gossip and negativity and God says, hey, I want you to reach those friends, but I wanna take you out of that Egypt and take you into a place where your confession is one of faith and one of hope and one of the presence and the power of God. 
And so God, these, see these pictures in the Old Testament of what God wants to do in our life. One of the things that you see often through the Bible is that God would change people's names. He changed their names. And why God would change their names is because their name had a definition and God was wanting to change their identity. And the same way God wants to change our identity. My mum was known in school. Her nickname, ready for this, was Pastor Jane, senior pastor. Her nickname at school was Mouse. That was her nickname because she was so shy. She struggled with dyslexia. She struggled to read. And she got the whole way through high school without reading a book. She got the whole way through it. About 15, she came and experienced the power of Jesus Christ. And her, and her, her whole life was changed. Her whole family was changed. And she started using the Bible to help her bring freedom to her dyslexia. Amen. And I've heard testimonies of people through the Word of God being delivered of dyslexia. Come on, who knows it's possible? Come on, God is with God, all exceedingly abundantly above all we could ask or think. But by the end of year 12, my mum got a standing ovation for getting the art prize at high school. She'd gone, come on, from having a nickname that was Mouse to my mum was known in Brisbane for running combined churches, young adults, athletics days for the whole city. God can change your name. God can change you. <laughs> if you let Him. <laughs> And in Nehemiah, it talks about these gates and walls being rebuilt. And in chapter 3, we can read about it. And we can read about the process of, of these gates and these walls. And what it can be is it can be a picture in our lives. Are you ready? Nehemiah chapter 3. Then Eliashib and the high priest rose with his brethren, the priests, and built the sheep gate. Let's take a look here. Look at the screen. We've got a diagram here. These are the gates that were built around Jerusalem that Nehemiah rebuilt. And the first one that they rebuilt was the sheep gate. The sheep gate was the place where they would bring the animal sacrifices out for the worship of God. In the Old Testament, we understand that if, if you sinned, the process was that the sin was put on a little lamb, was it, and brought as a sacrifice to pay for your sin. We understand in the New Testament that Jesus is the Lamb of God who was sacrificed for our sin. You see, and the first thing that God will do in your life is He'll bring you through Jesus, through that gate, come on, into a new life of His forgiveness through His sacrifice on the cross. He'll bring you into that gate. It's wonderful. Here's some notes. No prizes for knowing that this speaks of the very first experience when you come into a Christian life. That is a realization that Jesus was the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. The sheep gate then speaks to us of the cross and the sacrifice that was made for our sins. It is the starting point of everything but you will also notice if you read the entire chapter, the sheep gate is also mentioned at the very end once we have made the full circle. That is because everything starts and everything ends with Jesus' death on the cross. Pretty cool when you begin to think about it. The next gate here that you can see here is the fish gate. And guess what used to go through there? Wow, well done everyone, 10 out of 10. <laughs> but we read about in Matthew 4.19 that God wants to make us what? Fishers of men. And one of the things that happens as you enter the sheep gate is you begin to come through the fish gate and this change and this freedom, this hope that Jesus has brought in your life, you want everyone to know. Statistically, the most fruitful time in terms of evangelism for Christian. And I believe we can change this. We're going to change the stats. Are you ready, Freshwater Church? But as the first two years of them becoming Christian, they win the most friends to Jesus. Because they're just telling everyone. But we're going to change the stats on that, aren't we, Freshwater Church? Come on. We're going to change those stats. But it's that fish gate. For us, it speaks of evangelism. 
as we've been called to be fishers of men. It is a natural progression in our Christian life that after seeing that Jesus died for our sins, that we would wanna tell others about it. Surveys have shown that believers who have been saved less than two years win the most people to the Lord. Their simple testimony of what Jesus has done in their lives qualifies them to be great fishers of men since this is the next step in Christian life. There you go, some gates we're going through. The next one here we see, everyone following along with me, and you can read it through Nehemiah in all the different gates, is the old gate. This speaks to us of the old ways of truth. As a young Christian, having experienced the sheep gate, the fish gate, soon sees the need for experiencing the old gate. This means learning the old ways of truth that never change. Jeremiah 6.16 says, Thus says the Lord, stand by the ways and see and ask for the ancient paths where the good way is and walk in it. And there you will find rest for your souls. Too many Christians today want something new, the latest teaching, the latest experience, and then try to change the truth to make it acceptable to what the world thinks is right today. But the ancient of days calls us, calls us back to his long established ways that do not change and remain the same yesterday, today, and forever. Calling us back to those old ways, those old gates, those old truths. And I know as a young man, I'm learning those. Come on, in every area of my life, I want to learn the ways of God. The ways of God. Who knows this is the most sold book in the world. And it's also the most stolen book. Dad's first sort of main church that he was involved with, one of the challenges that they had was everyone kept stealing the Bibles. <laughs> People kept coming to Christ and kept stealing. I think that's, and, and, and the pastor said, well, if they steal them, hopefully they read them. <laughs> now we've got Bibles for sale. You can buy them. And if you can't afford one, we'll pay for it for you. <laughs> but that old gate returning to God in his old ways. You know, I know for me, you know, there's lots of beautiful things you can have in our church is full of beautiful things and beautiful cars. But you know, one of the things that the Bible talks about is not coveting, you know, being jealous of what other people have. Any purchase I know that's based on being jealous of what someone else has, I know is not gonna be a good purchase. <laughs> I bought it because they have it. <laughs> I need to buy it because my finances are in the place, come on. And I feel right about in the Holy Ghost where I can afford to purchase that thing. And so you're learning those, even as a young man, you're learning those ancient old ways to apply them to your life. I know that jealousy never works out well. I know pride, come on, it always comes before destruction. I know Taylor and I, we had an awesome trip away and I started to get cranky about one or two little things. I was like, Taylor, we could, you could have done this better. And I thought, as soon as I said it, I thought, that's pride talking. <laughs> and I had to repent quickly and go, you're the most amazing wife in the whole world. You know, you begin to know what taste pride, you know, sounds like in your own heart. You go, God, that doesn't go anywhere good. But the Word of God says that God gives grace to the humble. Amen. And so you learn to be someone who knows the old gate. If you look here, there's quite a long distance between the old gate and the valley gate here. There's a distance there. Examining the picture above, you'll notice that there is a long distance before you come into the next gate, which is the valley gate. For a new Christian, the Lord allows a honeymoon type period where He teaches you His presence is strong and His presence is strong in your life. This can go on for some time and is indicated by the positioning of the old, old and the valley gates. But sooner or later, the valley gate mu must come. 
Valley Gate talks to us of humbling and trials. Valley type experiences used by the Lord for our personal growth. Never easy, but the Christian needs to remember that in the natural, nothing really grows on the mountaintops, but it certain does down in the valleys. So it is in the spiritual. Sometimes going through the tough stuff is what it takes. You know? And going through that, and you know, as a pastor, I've been able to journey with people. And sometimes people go through some tough stuff in life. And I found that there's two things that you can do. The number first thing is that you can blame God. And that gets you stuck. Because you blame God, you don't understand. Or the second thing is you can believe who God is, and that's a loving Father, and you can run to Him. And sometimes you don't always understand the whys, but as a pastor, whenever I've seen people go through difficult stuff and they run to God, and they don't blame God, they run to God, they always come out better in the long run. God turns what was evil into something that was good and something that was beautiful. You know, and as I look across, you know, there's people here today who have had to bury their children. There's been all sorts of tragic people who have gone through major financial crises when they thought everything could go well. But don't blame God, run to God. And He'll build you through it, through the valley gate. You can always run to God. It's hearing the story of a pastor, and I love this pastor. He moves powerfully in deliverance and seeing people get set free. He talks about how he was out with his church team one night and they were having dinner together and they heard this pub. They heard this pub and they heard this pub in the background and they thought, wow, the music at that pub, that sounds amazing. That pub, it sounds like, he said, I haven't heard a pub sound that good in years. And he thought, he said to his team, let's go to this pub. That pub seems so alive. There's sure to be some backslidden Christians in that pub. Let's all go and find them. <laughs> and so the pastor walks into the pub and sure enough, he sees a guy that used to be in their church and he's standing at the pub at the bar and he picks up a tray and it's full of beers on the thing. And he turns around with a tray full of beers and his pastor's like, hi! <laughs> Wouldn't that be funny if you was that you was you? It's like, you're there in the pub, you turn around with all these beers and your pastor's like, hello, good to see you. And you're like, what are you doing here? <laughs> and that's what the guy said. He said, what are you doing here? The pastor said, I can go anywhere I want. <laughs> but he said, you know, you've got to go to places like pubs that are that exciting to deal with the pain in your life. You've got to find somewhere to run to deal with the pain. And he chatted with the guy in the pub and just began to talk to him about the pain in his life, pain he was dealing with on the inside. You know, that guy was in church the next day. You know, and, and, and the tr it is, it's the truth of it that we can run away from God, we can blame God, or we can run to God in times of challenge. You know, and this, this particular gentleman who I'm preaching about he went through this challenge in his life where one of his daughters went through a really challenging experience. And he was so mad with God. He thought, God, I'm praying. I trust you. I've believed you. How, how could this happen in my family? How could this take place? How could this go on? And it, it took this process of him grieving before God. You know, God's not afraid of your emotions. The Bible says that those blessed are those who mourn for they shall be comforted. You know, you can actually be real with God. He's a loving father. You don't have to put on a show. You can actually be genuine and connect with God. And this man went on a process. It took them a year. He talked about how his wife and him would sit there in their prayer times and just cry. Just going, God, how could this happen? But God ministered to them through that time and loved them through it. And you know what? Their younger daughter, God moved powerfully in her life and, she, and, and healed her brokenness. Come on, God is always good. He can turn things around, but you can always run to God.
The next one is the dung gate, a little bit further. And I want to thank, I got these notes on jesusplusnothing.com. I got these notes off them, so I give them credit for it. I found them very helpful. Again, there is quite a distance from the next gate indicating that the valley experience can go on for some time. But the result of the experience is clearly seen in the next gate, the dung gate. That is where the rubbish is removed and what has happened in our own life. The valley experience is used by the Lord to clear away the rubbish so that true faith can be refined by the fire, come forth and produce fruit. Clearing away the rubbish in our lives is never easy, but the benefits of this experience can be seen in the next gate. You will notice also that it is the point of your Christian life where there is a dramatic turning of the corner that takes place. From the diagram above, up until this point, you have been moving downward and experiencing experiences have been hard. But having come to this point, there is a sharp turn in the road and we begin to move up again. Let's look at the fountain gate. We will notice that from the picture that the fountain gate is located extremely close to the dung gate. In other words, after a valley type experience where the rubbish in our lives is cleared away out through the dung gate, truth, faith comes forth and the fountain begins to flow quite quickly. This speaks to us of the living waters of the Holy Spirit that cleanse our lives and empower us to live a Christian life. Jesus said, whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, streams of living water will flow forth from within him. Isn't that amazing? God changing you, clearing out the rubbish so that the living water of Christ can flow through your life, so that the Holy Spirit can flow through your life. <laughs> it's pretty exciting. The water gate. The next gate we arrive at is the water gate. The water gate is the picture of the Word of God and its effects in our life. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 26 states, having washed her by the water of the Word, Psalm 119 verse 9 states that it is only through God's word that we can be clean. It is not coincidence that this gate was located next to the fountain gate as the two often work together. The Holy Spirit is the one who makes the word of God alive to us personally, allowing cleansing, encouragement and direction to take place in our life. So the Holy Spirit and the word of God helps you and changes you and builds you. Church is exciting. This can be, come on, sometimes a painful process. But who's ever been through this process? Who has felt the fruit of this process? Come on, three people. Come on, who's been through this process I'm talking about? Anyone been through this? The horse gate. Let's keep going. The horse gate speaks to us of warfare. As horses were used in battle and became a symbol of war. Revelation 19.11, I saw heaven open and behold a white horse and he sat upon him was called faithful and true, and in righteous does he judge and make war. Spiritual warfare, as we will see in this entire study of Nehemiah, is a requirement of every Christian, because we are all in battle whether we know it or not. It is also interesting that the horse gate follows the water gate. For us, the word goes forth. The spiritual warfare is sure to increase. So as the word of God come on goes out into a city, there's a warfare that takes place over the word of God. You know, you can feel it sometimes, even in church, sometimes you, you say something like, come on, miracles are possible. And you feel the, the atmosphere. You feel the people, no, that could never happen. That could never happen. Come on, there's a warfare that needs to go out upon the Word. Come on, the, the, the war that sometimes, come on, God can work a miracle in your life. God can bring hope where there's, you know, there's, the, there's a warfare that goes out that says, no, come on, it's possible with God. 
is possible with God. And there's, there's a fight that goes on. There's, there's a push back that goes on as we, we step into this, but we come through the horse gate ready for battle. Come on, God doesn't want you to be a spectator. He wants you to be a contributor. Come on, He wants you to stand up. And uh, you know, I want to thank all the people across our church who stand. Come on, who makes Freshwater Church, Freshwater Church. Rebecca's sitting in here this morning, having a great morning off, but often Beck's working with the three to fives. She's working hard. Come on, Paul and Sunette here on the front row serving God. Come on, Peter and Jeanette. Come on, Jess and Akenna with the youth. Come on, all this, the people that I see who tirelessly work hard to make Freshwater Church what it is. And you know, it's, it's interesting in church because, you know, most people here are pretty competent, yet yeah, pretty good at what you do. And you sign up, who's ever found this? You sign up to do something in church and it's not as easy as you think it would be. You know, I sometimes say to people, just, just come in early and just blow all the leaves off the path. And they go, oh, I could do that. No problem. That's easy. And then all of a sudden they wake up in the morning, they lose their keys, the children are unwell, they, you know, the, the car battery breaks down. They think, what is going on? This is so difficult. Because there's a warfare. And you don't have to know how to be strong and go, oh, devil, you're not going to stop me. I'll walk to church. I'll do whatever it takes to get there. You can't stop me. And I love what Pastor Stewart says. He always says this, you've got to train the devil how to think about you. Come on, you've got to train him. Come on, when the pressure gets on, I just worship louder. <laughs> when it comes to the week of the prayer meeting, and I, I promise my pastor I'd come to the prayer meeting, and then it's the most exhausting day at work. Everything goes wrong at work, and I think, I just want to sit home. I just want to sleep early. But you think, no, I'm going to the prayer meeting. You've got to train him how to think about you to have a bit of fight on the inside of you, to know how to stand up. And, you know, I think there's a generation, come on, of men and women all across Cairns who are going to stand up for Jesus. Oh, come on. And it's not about the age on your birth certificate. It's about the roar on the inside of your heart. You know, David was a young man. Come on, wasn't he? Younger. He was bringing his brother's food at the battle of David and Goliath. But there was a strength in his heart. Come on, and even if you're elderly, come on, there can be a strength in your heart. A strength in your heart for what God can do in Australia. A strength in your heart for what God can do amongst the nations. Come on, don't let the enemy shut down your fight. Come on, don't let him silence you. I love, oh, I love, oh I'm getting pumped up now. <laughs> I love Radshak, Meshach and Abendo go. Come on, and they get thrown into the fiery furnace. And they won't bow down. Come on. And they stand in and all of a sudden they say, there's a fourth man in the furnace. His name's Jesus. You see, you see you've got to learn how to stand for God and stand for hope. You've got to learn. And sometimes it's in the small things. Come on, isn't it? When everyone's gossiping at work, when everyone's negative, when everyone's fighting, you say, hey, come on, I'm bigger than all of this. Come on, I'm bigger than all of this. Come on, when you're an entrepreneur and you're leading a business and you, your team's getting negative and you go, come on, God hasn't brought me here to die. Come on, and you push above that, that, that negativity. Come on, when, when you come to lead the youth night and you're like, God's given me a word for these youth to encourage them and help them in their future. And it's been the athletics carnival and they come all tired and blah, blah, blah. And you come and you're like, but I'm going to bring the word anyway. And, and you've got to have that warfare inside of you to push through. To stand strong. We're a strong person. Let's keep going. The east gate. Ezekiel chapter 44 verse 1 to 3. The gate that looked towards the east. And it was shut. The Lord said to me, this is the gate that is shut. It shall not be open and no one shall enter by it. For the Lord God of Israel has entered by it. The east gate opens and looks towards the Mount of Olives. 
all of us, and we know that, that when Jesus returns, he will return to the, this mount. He will enter Jerusalem by the east gate, and it goes on and talks about there. The next gate is the inspection gate. The final gate is the inspection gate. The gate speaks to us of the examination of our lives by the Lord. This occurs in this life as indicated by Paul in 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 4. I am conscious of nothing against myself, yet I, have, I am not yet I am not by this acquitted, but the one who examines me is the Lord. The ultimate fulfillment goes on and talks about this here. And it talks about that inspection when we come before, come on, in the robes of Christ. And this process of God building our lives and building it well. If we were to pause for a moment, where are you on that journey? What's God doing in your life today? What's he building? What's he saying? Come on, maybe you're at the fountain gate. I feel, feel for me personally, which is a painful thing to say, I feel like I'm at the old gate again. God's just building all those truths into my heart. This is how life works, Josh. This is how life doesn't work. But I know that process, there'll be a change in me as I go through the dung and the valley gate. Come on, to let that fountain gate and that water gate rise up on the inside of me. God never changes, but he wants to change us. The question is, will you let him? Father, we thank you today for this privilege to be here at this meeting this morning, this wonderful 10 o'clock meeting. Thank you, God, that you're building us. You're building us, God. You're not surprised that we live in this time in history. You're not surprised that we're here in this moment in time, God. And God, we just cry out, come on. God, we cry out you would use us in this time, God. Help us to not fall asleep at the wheel of what You've called us to do, God, but to be wide awake, sharp, ready, listening, to be obedient to what You're saying and what You're doing today. God, I thank You for those people who are going through the valley gate today. Come on, I pray for them, God, right now. Come on, I pray those who are going through the valley gate, don't blame God, run to God. Come on, don't blame Him, run to Him. He's a loving Father whom you can trust and whom you can depend and rely on and whom you can cry out to. Come on, and those who are going through that fountain of living water and the washing of the Word, and it's that change that God's bring. Come on, bring it on. Bring it on, God. Bring it on what you have for us today. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. It's wonderful.